episode 489 podcast evolutionary.org coming your way cc and the rickster ricky v rock how is it up what's up buddy you ready hey what's up steve what's up guys how's everybody doing out there good good show let's get it going this is going to be a q a guys episode 49 really fun topics ahead rick's gonna have a lot of fun with these i have, I have a feeling so the first one we're going to be doing first topic is why are bodybuilders dying so much and will it continue so mobster and i have done several episodes on the hardcore talking about bodybuilders who have been dropping dead one of the most recent episodes we did was about cedric mcmillan who passed away i think he was only 44 years old and um you know we've done a bunch of guys like this um that have been dropping dead and it's really a shame that we're losing so many bodybuilders at such a young age. You know, we got guys who are getting heart attacks in their 30s. We're getting guys, uh, Boston Lloyd was another guy, even though he wasn't competitive, competitively bodybuilding currently. Um, he used to competitive bodybuild and he passed away. And you know, we're, we're, it, it's really getting ridiculous. And if you want to listen to that Cedric McMillan episode, it's going to be uh, emergency evolution.org emergency number six. That's the one that you guys can check out on there. And by buddy, there's been so many guys, another guy, Frank McGrath. Um, he's got major health problems and he's a young guy. He's still alive, but he has a lot of problems. You had, um, I could just go through the, the, the amount of people, right. That have been just passing away. It's really, really getting ridiculous. Uh, the number of people, buddy. And, um, Tom Prince, you had Tom Prince pass away. He had kidney problems for years. Bigger and leaner, bigger, bigger and leaner. You got to come in bigger. You got to come in leaner. You got to come in bigger. You got to come in more cut. That, that's what the judges yep. are rewarding. That's why the bellies are out of control. That's why a lot of this is going on and the new drugs, which I'm going to, I've, I've researched this topic quite a lot. I interviewed Guru Amin a lot. You remember the Guru Amin Alai interview, right, Steve? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, at the time of the interview, uh, there were, that was about six deaths ago. <laughs> there were, I didn't mean to chuckle there, guys, but yeah, that interview was about six deaths ago. And we, in the interview, he, he attributed to the diuretics and we went through, how you can overdo the diuretics and get a fucking heart attack. But then after the interview, the Boston Lloyd happened and a few other things have happened. And I came to realize that, yeah, the, the dehydration, like Guru Minalai suggested on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, they guys might be taking, it's always been happening. Guys have been getting dehydrated to step on, to step on stage since the 70s uh, and using, you know, water pills and diuretics that's been going on for a long time as well. But I think that guys are dehydrating more to get leaner. And a lot of the, the new lean, you know, the harder, more shredded that we are seeing has a lot to do with the use of new drugs. I think as coaches, as the, and it, it's a problem all the way up from the, from the top judges down to the coaches. And here's how. The judges are rewarding bigger and more cut, even with the bellies distended. The coaches are introducing and adding new different drugs 
They've only been around less than a decade, some of them, into regimens because maybe they improve the physique a little bit. Maybe they'll have a guy use a new experimental drug, new peptide, that's just going to just give him one percent, just shave off an additional one percentage point of his body fat on the day of competition. And they'll just try this new thing. Boston Lloyd, the, the reason why Boston Lloyd's death, I think, helped the community quite a bit is because Boston wasn't quiet about his problems. Boston told us how he felt, what was doing it, what he felt was causing the problem. Boston told us in interviews with Dave Palumbo and in other ways what was going on with him. And basically he used way too much of a new peptide that was he uh, experimented on himself like many of us do and he didn't quite understand didn't quite keep a tab on the amount he was taking and he feels as though that's what messed up his kidneys and it was just no point of no return when his uh, kidneys got messed up over it I think that even though Boston was not just the biggest competitive guy, I think he gives us a glimpse into a, a much larger problem at the competitive level. I think a lot of those guys at that competitive level are taking some serious, serious experimental new drugs just coming around lately that we don't know much about. One test done by pharma on this one new peptide and it shows a little bit of anabolism. It shows a little bit of fat burning. And now everybody wants to jump on it. Every research company wants to be the first to put it on the market. Every guru online wants to be the first to use it and talk about it and review the, this compound. And it's getting out of hand, man. And I think that's what, at least in Boston's Lloyd case, he really tracked it back to some new peptide he was using and not the proper dosage and something much higher. And I think some bodybuilding coaches adding some of these new hard drugs, harder, uh, uh, stronger drugs, new drugs into their competitors' bodies, getting good results, getting placing, getting a guy to move up a few spots in just a matter of a few months. And it's placing. Those guys are going to get more clients, more clients, and those clients are going to be on those same drugs. And next thing you know, we'll have, which is what we're having now, Bodybuilders using experimental drugs, coaches pushing them because it's competitive. You know, the coach, the coach that gets the most placings gets, gets the most calls. The coach that's not placing people, it's not going to get the calls. And everybody knows who's coaching who and who's placing what. So the coaches that obviously, if you're more willing to take chances with newer drugs or newer methods or higher dosing, and you get some winnings you're going to continue to do that with the rest of your people. And if you're a coach who's maybe doing it traditional, you know, you learned, you learned your stuff in the 80s, 90s. You improved it a little bit in the 2000s, but you're not messing with these new stuff, you know, the, this GW and, and all of these peptides and new drugs and, you know, these things the last 10 years, last 20 years, not messing with it. You're not doing anything with it. Then yeah, I mean, you're you're you might not place. You might your guys might start to lose. You might not see guys at the podium, and coaches that are giving their guys the new shit, giving their guys the new drugs, 
using the, some of the new methods, some of the new dehydration protocols that go along with SOMS and peptides. Those guys might be having guys up there placed. And then that's when your ethics come into question. You know, I, I'm losing here. My guys aren't doing as well as this, these other coaches guys that are coming in, you know, bigger and more shredded. Am I going to change my way of doing things? Am I going to incorporate new drugs that I've, I wasn't telling my guys to do this 10 years ago, and I'm going to incorporate this even though we don't know the long term? Or am I going to fall by the wayside and not, not do as well as guys that are taking some of this new shit? And I think that's where it comes from, Steve. I think it comes a lot from the new shit. These guys have been dehydrating for ages. Um, and again, it goes back to the coaches rewarding, just rewarding bigger, more cut with these huge bellies, very, I, I wouldn't call them healthy looking at this point, the individuals, and that's what they're rewarding. And, and, and the coaches are trying to please the judges. And, and the athlete, the bodybuilders, is caught in the middle. Caught in the middle of the judges and the coaches. What do you think, Steve? Look, at the end of the day, you don't see 80, 90-year-olds who are big, who are big and have a lot of mass on their body. I don't care if it's fat mass or muscle mass. You don't see that. You know, you don't live a long time when you have, you're carrying around a lot of mass on your frame, you're going to reduce your life expectancy. So it's a combination of things. It's a combination of the organ strain from using all these drugs, these steroids, all the stuff that you're putting in your body. It's all stress. When you put something in your body, you're stressing your body out. So you continue to stress your kidneys, your heart, your liver, all this kind of, a, it, it's a domino effect. And the more you do it, the more time you take off your life. So we see guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger who have used steroids. He even admitted he's used steroids, but he also used them smartly. He's also, as he's gotten older, trimmed down, changed his diet. He eats those fruits and vegetables that People think that they're not supposed to eat. He cut back a lot on me. I've even seen the things where he, you know, he's stuck to more of a vegetarian diet as he's gotten older. So you see people who live the longest in the world, 95% to 100% of their diet is fruits and vegetables. And bodybuilder diets are the opposite. It's, it's lots of protein, lots of meats, you know, and all that basically is going to shorten your life. That's just how it goes. I mean, so, I mean, you're going to continue to see bodybuilders dropping dead. And uh, what Rick was talking about, he's kind of looking at it at a big macro sense of what do you have to do to be a bodybuilder? What, how do you have to look? And all this stuff. But what I'm trying to say is it's not just that aspect, but it's also the normal gym rat who's dropping dead at a young age from, you know, looking from from their diet, from the steroid use, from the lifestyle, from the stress and all this stuff. It's all shrinking your life expectancy. So, you know, we can get into a moral argument. Is it is it better to live to 44 years old? like Cedric McMillan did and accomplished what he accomplished and looked the way he looked, or is it better to live to 85 
you know, and not ever, you know, bodybuild or, or go on stage. Um, you ask someone like Tom Prince, the latter stages of his life, and he re- he just straight up regrets ever using steroids. He says he wishes he wishes he would have never used them. And he tells other people not not to use them because he says, hey, they mess with my kidneys. And he had to get dialysis for a long period of time until it it pretty much was was it. And he um, you know, when you go on kidney dialysis, you know, the party's pretty much over for for you, Um, you know, and anything any time that you live past that is a bonus. You know, it's kind of like getting cancer. Any, if you cure, you know, if you're able to get through your cancer, anything after that is a bonus, but you do take time off your life, having to go through the chemotherapy and the surgeries and all that stuff. So yes, um, I do believe that we will continue to see bodybuilders dying for sure. And, um, it's going to be people that a lot of you are fans of, and it's going to shock a lot of people. It's going to continue to shock a lot of people and you'll see people dropping dead, not just in their forties, you also see plenty of people in their twenties and thirties dropping dead. So that's, that's going to continue guys. I don't see, I don't see it stopping. One of the big, you know, economic arguments is steroid use. It's uh, just too damn easy to get steroids right now. Um, A car payment can buy you a cycle, you know, and it's not hard to go online and so cheap. You know? So cheap now. Yeah. It's so, so cheap. Yeah. It used to be 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it would cost a, a big chunk of $2,000, $3,000 yeah. for a decent cycle. Yeah. In the year 2004, 2005, for that day's money, you could spend 2000 bucks in that day's money to today. And today you could get that same cycle in today's money for about 600, 700 bucks. That, that's where it's at today. Even with, occur from, from inflation. How, how do you, how do I know? Just, just quickly recalling maybe one or two orders. Somebody might've told me they made for their cycle, what they got, you know, back then it was, you know, quality vet, Bravel. It was all legitimate pharmaceutical grade of veterinary great stuff. Yeah. Two grand, $2,000 in 2005, 2006, <clears throat> 2007 money. Today, five, 700 bucks gets you that same cycle in today's money. It's incredible. The The price drop in steroids has been amazing. It's one of the reasons there's more people uh, using them now, in my opinion. If steroids weren't so easy to get, like if the only way you could get steroids was to actually go to a doctor and have them prescribed to you, I mean, that's a pipe dream, but I'm just saying you wouldn't have, people wouldn't be using as much steroids as they would. If steroids cost what the pharmaceutical companies want them to cost, and you have to go through a pharmaceutical company, then you want to see people using them as much. Like Viagra, for example, if you go to your doctor and get prescription for Viagra and it's not covered under your insurance, that shit's expensive as fuck. Someone was telling me that they had to spend like fucking two, three hundred dollars for Viagra for like a month's worth of Viagra. I was like, what? You can go on uh, an underground source and buy Viagra. Why after website straight out of India uh, for fucking a, a dollar a pill? I mean, it's just it's just incredible um, how cheap it is. So that's a big reason why um, guys are abusing steroids because they're so damn cheap and so easy to get. 
It's not like it used to be. I remember I spent like 1200 bucks on a Primo cycle back like 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Now you can buy a Primo cycle for three, 400 bucks, you know, less than that. So, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's easy as hell. So next time we're talking about, I've seen, I've seen just to go back. I used to see Primo back in a day for uh, as much as $25 for one 100 milligram ampule of legitimate Primo with the proper color rings, with the paper, everything checked out, made pharmaceutical company. 25 bucks, sometimes 29. You pay as much as 30 something dollars for it, some people. Um, today, a bottle of Primo is going to cost you, what is it today, Steve? Like 10, not, not about 10 bucks, not even $10 per per 100 milligrams in some places. Um, yeah, nothing. It doesn't cost shit. It doesn't, it doesn't cost, cost shit. shit Compared anymore. to what you're paying for your car payment, for your mortgage, it doesn't cost shit. I mean, let's be honest. Your your car insurance even is is in is 2000 in 2005 money you could have spent $25 for 100 uh, uh, for 100 milligrams of Primo. Today, that same 100 milligrams of Primo in a multi-dose vial is going to run you 10 bucks or something like that in today's money. It's, it's just crazy. All right, so next one we're talking about is what's more important, steroids or training? So Rick, um, I'll let you have first crack at this one. Uh, more important for what? For looking good or feeling good? If you're trying to have good libido, you know, and 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 you know, and energy and all that stuff. Obviously, doing cardio helps a good ton, but you don't need them steroids, man. If you if you want to have that ravenous libido, if you want to be up for the game, motivation, all that. Now, as far as looking good, you can look good just on working out alone. You don't even need steroids. Just working out. Oh, I should say working out alone. Working out on diets. Working out on diets together. You can look amazing, look incredible, never have to use any steroids. Uh, so if it's, you know, if it's the way you're going to feel or you're going to, or you got to make better than natural gains, obviously the sauce. If it's just about looking good at performance, hey man, you could, you could, you could really get far, very far with diet and training. And I, I want to throw something in Steve, because uh, just to address something we said on the last point, and I wanted to throw it here when it comes to diet and training. Diet, you got to figure out what's the best, best diet for you, man. I, I really believe that us humans, we're all as different internally to digest different foods as we are outside. You know, you might be in a family and, and your, your mother, your grandma could have had blue eyes, but your eyes are going to be brown. You know, your different people in the same family can have different ways that they digest food. There, there are and have been. And it's happened for thousands and thousands of years. Pockets of humans where all they eat is meat, day in and day out. There's a good uh, uh, article that I read a while ago. And as Steve was talking about it earlier, I pulled it up. It's from Discovery Magazine, discovermagazine.com. It's called the, Un- the Inuit Paradox. The Inuit Paradox. And, and it goes something like this. How can people who gorge on fat and rarely see vegetable be so healthy? And this is not just referring to just quote unquote like Eskimos, you would call them. This is like far north than like indigenous people from Alaska, from Greenland, from Siberia, you know, all of this area. There, there's no vegetables or growing seasons there. These people, some people live their whole lives and died of old age just eating nothing but meat, just meat. So it is within our, look, if humans couldn't survive on 100% meat, those tribes would have moved down here where it is uh, warmer a long time ago. 
right? Or they would have became extinct naturally. But no, other humans, more industrialized humans, went down there and, you know, messed with them. And some of them are industrialized. Other people died out over different wars, whatnot. But we've had pockets of humans that lived on nothing but meat. I don't know of any pockets of lions that live on, on nothing but vegetables. You know, you're not going to get another animal that's not able to live on, on a food source. Just, I mean, you, right? We should, have, we should have pockets of felines. So we should have vegetarian felines somewhere, right? Maybe? No. Humans can eat everything. We're the ultimate omnivore. Humans can survive on a, on a diet of 100% meat the whole lives or 100% vegetables. You know, it's, it's been done. It, it, you have to run that experiment to see what works for you, what, what makes you feel, look your best, and what gives you the best test results. I'm not one to sit here and tell people, oh, yeah, yeah, too much meat, too much thing, it's bad for you. No, we've had humans survive. Into, uh, some of these Inuit tribes had people going, going into, into, into their 80s and 90s eating mostly, mainly meat they hunted. And nothing else. So just want to toss that out there, guys. Just went back a little bit in the last topic because I forgot to add that in. But now let's continue with where we were, Steve. Where were we? All right, buddy. So next one we're going to talk about is has social media hurt or helped bodybuilding? So this is uh, this is an interesting one, buddy. Uh, do we count as social media? First of all, uh, before I answer this. Uh, you and I count the social? No, we don't. No, we do not. You don't think so? Even though we're on some uh, social media uh, platforms? Well, social would be if uh, people were, were were posting back and forth and that kind of stuff. People just listen to us and then they could contact us privately. But there isn't a big, I mean, besides if you went on the forums, maybe. I guess we kind of are part of it because people go on the forums or they go on our Facebook group and discuss some of the episodes. So I, I guess yeah. that is that is social. So let, let, let me give you my thoughts on this, um, because uh, this is a kind of a philosophical thing. Here's my issue. Here's my issue with social media is that you've got people who have no background in these specific things. Let's take the, you know, specifically let's talk about the fitness social media, but this applies to all industries. We're talking about fitness here, right? It's a fitness podcast. We've got guys out there on social media with tens of thousands of viewers, even millions of viewers, okay, who listen to their shit and suck up their information, but they have no qualifications to be talking about this shit. They're not educated. They don't have any type of education, not even a fucking high school degree, bar, you know, uh, heaven forbid, a college degree in this shit. They don't have any sort of, uh, they, they, they've never read a fucking book in their life on fitness, on, on nutrition, on how the body works. They, you know, it's just, they're just fucking meatheads who just know to go lift weights and stick steroids up their ass. But these are the people out there who, they're good grifters. They're good at talking in front of a camera. You know, they're very convincing. These are the guys 100 years ago, they would have been the carnival barkers, okay? Uh, who would basically scam, be, you know, you go to the carnival and they're the people who scam you because they pretend to, to read you, you know, they pretend to be a psychic or they pretend to be able to figure you out on all this shit or they'll trick you and, 
in some carnival game or something like that. But they're very good in front of the camera. So they sucker people in. They get a lot of viewers. They buy viewers. A lot of their people that post on their videos are bots, you know? So they're really good at that. And they're very convincing. They could basically sell you a garbage supplement and, and, and convince you that that garbage supplement is why they look the way they do. And that's the problem with social media. There's no filter. Anybody can do it. Anybody can start up their YouTube channel. Anybody could start a Twitter. Anyone could start an Instagram and fool people, put up fake pictures and have no qualifications or nothing. It used to not be like that as much. Like if you turn on the TV and you want to watch a football game, okay, 30 years ago, you would see people who they used to be coaches, they used to be players, they've been journalists for 20, 30 years. They have credentials to sit up there and talk about the sports. Now, anybody, you could have watched, you could watch bodybuilding for five minutes and start up your own YouTube channel. There's no filter. You see what I'm saying? So that's the problem. But here, here's, here's my follow-up to that. The people who have the most followers on social media on in fitness, they're the biggest scammers, grifters, and full of shit people out there. Do you guys notice that? Like our podcast, we have a pretty good viewership, but we don't have millions of people like these other channels, but we're giving you good fucking information. I have qualifications. I have degrees in this shit. You know, I've read the studies. I've read books, you know, on this shit. I don't just, I'm not pulling shit out of my ass telling you this. So you know, why do we not have views and they do? You got to ask yourself that question. So it's just, uh, to me, you have a handful of people in the fitness community who don't know jack shit about this stuff. All they do, uh, they're just meatheads with great genetics who just stick steroids up their ass and work out. That's it. And those are the people with millions of views. So that's the problem in the fitness industry and this is why overall the social media industry, you can make an argument has hurt more people than has helped. And another thing too, TMI is a real thing. Too much information. There is too much information out there. And too much information is not a good thing. When it comes to anything in life, it's not a good thing. So I'd rather have very little information that's accurate than have a million different videos on something where 95% of the videos were inaccurate. So, you know, that's, that's the philosophical uh, discussion of has it helped or hurt bodybuilding? We just talked about the first topic, bodybuilders dying. I really believe that social media has contributed to bodybuilders dying. You know, the just wanting to look a certain way so you can put up a picture on Instagram and you're willing to kill yourself to put that picture up. So, you know, there's different perspectives on it, but there are benefits to social media too. There are benefits. But if you're asking me, has social media hurt or held bodybuilding? It's done both, but mostly I would say it's hurt bodybuilding. But Rick, you know, what's your opinion on this? Do you agree or not? Or not? Well, let, let me ask you this. Um, 
look, I, I think let me start this a, a different way. I think um there are some good guys out there. I've seen some good, good uh guys with YouTube channels that give some really great good knowledge and information. I catch them doing things that aren't all that honest at times. I've caught some guys that I've listened to because I like to cross my information. I'll read the studies. I'll read the journals. I'll read everything. I'll watch a couple of YouTube channels to see what people are saying out there. I have found, to be honest with you, Steve, I have found a lead on some good studies that I needed to see through watching someone's YouTube channel. They might talk about a certain study or a certain something. I might disagree later on with their interpretation of the data and the study and, and what the results were. I might sometimes I disagree with the fucking conclusion the guys who did the study wrote, but that's just me, right? Um, so I've seen some good guys out there, but also I've also seen, like, like Steve says, a ton, a ton, a ton of grifters. Um look, uh I suffer from a huge uh I guess it's called uh um Trying to remember what it is fucking called right now, Steve. I might have to edit this part out if it takes me too long to figure out what it is called. But um, like once you know enough, you know all the stuff you don't know. So I think it's called imposter syndrome. So even as we do all of these podcasts, guys, and any of you guys that have been listening for, you know, 100 episodes, you might say, oh, wow, Rick and Steve really know their shit. Well, you know what, guys? As I sit here, right, because I've climbed that hill, and then when I get on top of that hill of knowing something, I look down the valley and I see how much more there is for me to know. As I sit here, I think I keep in mind a lot more of the stuff that I don't yet know and understand fully. I keep that in mind way more than the stuff that I've already learned and, and feel as though I've somewhat got a good handle and master on. I think a lot of times coming to the podcast, I feel it in my heart, that imposter uh, syndrome. I feel like, fuck. Because I know a lot of things already, I know how much there's yet to learn. Let's put it like this. I know enough about each steroid today to know what are the things about each steroid that I don't know and that I might continue to continue to keep searching for. You know, look, I'll give you guys an example. Uh, uh, some As we do in the podcast here and I talk about androgen receptors in the brain, I've had both pieces of information. I've had stuff that I come across that makes it look and sound as though we have androgen receptors in the brain. And I've come across other, other uh, studies and doctors in doctor conferences, which I'm, I'm weird. I like watching things like this. Dr. Conference saying we haven't found yet androgen receptors in the brain tissue itself. So as I sit here and I do the podcast, just to throw you guys a little something. We know the, that testosterone and these androgens affect your brain. We've known that for ages, right? But it seems like even the medical community might still be in disagreement whether there are actual androgen receptors in your gray brain matter, you know, the, the neurons are, are not. Or I might have watched two pieces of, of information. But see, I, this is the kind of stuff that I'll sit there and I'll keep little notes of it. And I'll be like, all right, I need to figure out this androgen receptor thing because I'll be a fucking imposter on the show if I don't understand this fully. So when you... I think there are a lot of dudes out there that are very good looking dudes and they're able to, to, you know, uh, you know, talk well on camera and, uh, and they make themselves look out a lot smarter than they do when they're really not. Uh, you get a couple guys like me and Steve, or we're not about all these pictures. We're not about all this stuff. We really are about 
understanding the information, challenging ourselves and continuously learning, continuously learning what's on the other side of the hill. Because every time you go on a journey for knowledge, you're climbing up this hill. And once you get up there and you learn to think you, you thought you didn't know, then you realize there's a whole valley down there of other unknowns, of other things that you don't know. And there are very few. And again, I'm not name dropping who the bad ones are, the good ones are, but very few guys out there that I see on these channels or this IG or Facebook that are actually on the search for knowledge. And, and there, look, there's some good ones out there. You know, there, there's an MD who's a professional bodybuilder. Guy's got good fucking info. And there's another guy who uh, is a bodybuilder, works with, with a TRT clinic. All his clients that he addresses, they all take blood work. Uh, he addresses their blood work, addresses the lifestyle. I've seen some good guys out there that are really about it. And I've also seen some fucking clowns. Like I've seen some serious clowns. Um, there's some clowns out there that just overcomplicate the things just to make them sound more complex. You know, they'll 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 use all these different names and, and things just to make it sound more complex. But look, if you want to bring value to the masses, and that's the way I feel. If I myself, it took me a while to learn how to read these studies, it took me a while even stopping, like, what the fuck does that term mean? Stopping what I'm reading, going back on, on Google or whatever, Nexus or whatever, and figuring out what, what, what the term, what that whole thing meant so I could come back and read the study. If I did all of that, why would I spit out the same stuff like maybe I didn't understand at first to you guys on a, on a video or, or a podcast or whatever? I'm just going to oversimplify everything. That's why when I get on this podcast, I take things that are very complex and to that have took me a long time to understand and research and read. And I put it in about as simple as layman as I possibly can for you guys. It's what I do. And um, so always be careful, be careful for the good looking guys that are trying to, uh, you know, throw rocks in the pond to make their water seem deeper, you know, and be careful for the guy from the guys who are just, I think anybody that's trying to sell you any supplement that is going to work better than steroids is going to give you more muscle mass and steroids, you're going to know right off the bat is that, that dude is also a scammer. So I think those are the two main things to keep up with. Now, for the main question, did social mess up bodybuilding somehow? And I say no. I say for bodybuilders and both professional bodybuilders, top bodybuilders, and the home gym rat, social did the best. The top bodybuilders stopped needing to go through weeder or to go through one of the main bodybuilding channels or one of the main magazines in order to monetize and make money. 30 years ago, you know, in the 80s, 70s, 60s, I don't care what bodybuilder you were. If you were not in the in the Weeder Mag publications, if you were not in the shows, you were nobody. You were a fucking nobody. And nowadays, you can build your body, make a ton more money, make more money than Mr. Olympia building your body by having just a direct connection with the audience, with the people that want to see you and follow you, want to read your, want to read what you, what you ride, want to see your muscles, want to train like you. You can have a direct connection to those folks. That's something that just wasn't available, was not available back, back in the day. So definitely a real important uh, distinction to make. Social has opened it up so that this choke point, this bottleneck, this 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 gatekeeper that you needed to go through in order to reach the public, which was the shows and publications, you can now 
forego that. You go around that shit and be bigger, make more money and have more people following you because of your physique than you did if you if you went through the classic channels. And I think when it comes to and social, social has allowed people to know and read and learn about bodybuilding on their phones. You know, you used to have to go to a gym or go somewhere or, or read something in a map and pick something up from the library. At least the way I did it when I was young, read at the library to learn some of the same things that look, we're trying to push into your phone every fucking day on, on this podcast. You know, what do we get four notifications a, a week from us about the, about the different po- shows we have here. So it's changed the game. I think it's made it, it's made it better for everyone, mainly because all of the gatekeepers, all of the middleman platforms are removed between the guys that know how to get in shape and the guys that want to get in shape, the guys that look good and the guys that want to admire and follow after the guys and girls that look good. And um, and I guess at that point, you could also call Facebook and Instagram and call those platforms gatekeepers as well. But no, you kind of could just get on there and do your thing without ever having to talk to them. Yeah, It wouldn't have never been like that with weeder so yeah you know but you know it kind of is becoming like that buddy because you have a handful of guys who are dominating social media now and the algorithms all lead back to them so if you look up a video on weight training for example and then the, you check the videos that get suggested that come up on your feed it's all guys getting you know one million views two million views and you know these guys don't know don't know jack shit. I mean, a firefighter, a cop, a dentist, a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, any of these jobs, you have to, you know, retest every six months, every year, every two years, you know, whatever, to prove that you still, that you have knowledge about your profession, right? So why is it, you know, a personal trainer has to, has to pass a certification, just a personal trainer at a fucking Planet Fitness has to pass a certification. So why are we not filtering out some of these people in social media who don't know jack shit? I mean, if you don't know the difference between glycogen and glucose, why are you giving nutritional advice? If you don't know the difference between white and red muscle fibers, why are you giving training advice? If you don't know the difference between testosterone propionate and testosterone cypionate, why are you giving steroid advice? It just doesn't make any sense. There has to be once, I, I think if you, if you have like 500 followers, okay, that's one thing. But if you have a million followers and you get a million, you know, hundred, tens of thousands, hundred thousand views on your videos, you should have to prove that you know what the fuck you're talking about. Like you, you, you can't, we can't just let people spout misinformation and bad information out there who don't have any type of qualifications. It just doesn't make any sense. It'd be like going to a dentist who has no certifications. You're going to let the dentist drill uh, into your tooth who doesn't have any type of education or any type of knowledge of what the fuck they're doing. You know, just, it's just insanity to that. So that's, that's my, that's my main issue is that, yes, there are a lot of knowledgeable people out there, but those aren't the people that have the most views. This is true. Some you know? some of the, this you know is man? true. This is true. I mean, what, yeah. to, to, to Steve's, look, to Steve's um, point. It's like a third world country in Latin America where a leader takes power, right? And he promises, oh, there's going to be a democracy. It's going to be freedom. And then a month into power, he arrests everybody on the, on the courts. 
throws him in jail and he puts his own cronies and then he changes the constitution to make him run for kind of like the, what the guy in El Salvador did in El Salvador. He did the same thing. It's the same thing because they get on social media and at first they're spitting out this good information. They're citing things. And then once they get a bunch of followers, then they get lazy. Then they start spouting, you know, bad information and misinformation and, you know, you know what it is. You know what it is, Steve. You know what it is, Steve. One thing too, and I know where your frustration comes from. Um, look, it is my sincere belief. So if you're listening to this, consider yourself very lucky because it is my sincere belief that between Google and all of their platforms and Facebook and all of their platforms, they've banned anything that has to do with our forum, the forums that we hang out at. Elite Fitness was founded as a steroid forum in 1996. Evolutionary.org has been a steroid forum since 2009. Both of these platforms have been around for, you know, if you combine them together, something like 40-something years. If you combine them together, running together concurrently, you you could just do the math, right? Um, Google and Facebook, they've had real humans come in and see what the sites are, and they realize these guys, this is where all the meatheads are. These guys are sharing info with each other about how to get bigger and and, and fat and i think they're they're shadow banning the fuck out of everything we do bro we've done instagram content with just beautiful models that we went and got we've done youtube content we release on youtube four or five episodes a week videos we're really pushing out the content the content is incredible people love it somehow it just seems we don't get a lot of traction you know look guys our youtube videos only get the views that we send the YouTube videos from the forums that, that that we're at. YouTube is not putting our content up in front of everyone. And it's crazy, Steve, because I've seen I've seen us do some incredible content that people love. And that, that content doesn't doesn't get up there in the search rankings. And then there's some fluffy bullshit ass content that really makes it up there. And I really believe that it, it because of the age of the forums and how easy it is to connect. You know, look, if we're on the forums and we put up the links to the YouTube channel where our content went up, YouTube can see where where the traffic's coming from. I think uh, we've been really nasty, a shadow ban, which has kept us from getting any traction on IG. Look, our our podcast doesn't even come up as a suggested podcast on, on iTunes when you search for steroid terms. But other bullshit ass podcasts that are not attached to the forums do. It's been real crazy like that. And I see the frustration that Steve uh, has. I've shared this frustration, but really, I, I've just buried my head down and, and just get on to make to and doing the work. And I just feel like that's why the guys that do listen to us, that's why the guys that actually don't make that make it past the first or second page of researching on Google, that make it past the bullshit, they get to us and they find us. And when they find us, they always say, how come you guys aren't bigger? Why isn't everybody taking steroids listening to you guys right now? And the answer is, uh, we've been, my opinion, heavily, heavily shadow banned and penalized across all the platforms. If Why us and not anybody else? Because we've probably been doing it the longest. We probably earned this uh, th- this shadow banning ages ago. And when the platforms changed their attitude a little bit towards bodybuilding to allow some of the new, the fresher steroid content and all that to come in. We had already been banned. You know, a lot of the big channels and everything that, that are coming along now, they started after we started to get fucked with on social and our, our channels get, get 
a band and new channel that we put up that didn't get any traction. All these things started happening. So if you're listening to us today, guys, you are that select few that actually researches and finds, finds the answers, digs deep, because you're not, you're not going to find us from one or two Google searches. You're not going to find us being offered on your, on your, on your podcast platform. You're not going to find us on your feed on Facebook. You're going to have to fucking search or you are gonna have to have a buddy. That's how most of you guys listening today. I know because I speak to you. That's how you know about my brand. And that's how you know about this podcast. A buddy told you about it. Word of mouth. And that's another thing, guys. If you guys would like to help us stick around, would like to help us continue to do this podcast, you got to take it among yourself, man. Upon your shoulders, you got to take this. Take a link to our podcast. Copy it from your app. Send it to your buddies. Text it to your friends. Let them know about the podcast. Let them know about the YouTube links. You know, help us out. Help us. Help us go across and over and around the platforms. You help us grow, please, guys. If each one of you out there listening right now told one friend about the podcast, one friend that you knew needed this podcast and you turned them on to it, you literally could help us uh, double the size of our readership. I'm sorry, I should say double the size of our listenership, which will allow us to dedicate more time to the research, to the reading, to everything, guys. You know, look, if I could sell just a few more bottles of uh, N2 Garden, N2 Generate, um, every month because you guys have turned new people onto the podcast. Uh, that'll make a huge difference. I could definitely do some crazier stuff, some longer podcasts, bring in more research, spend more of my time devoted to the podcast itself. Uh, because right now, um, obviously, I have to do other things besides just the podcast to bring people in and bring awareness to the brand. Because, um, man, look, man, we we do these episodes, we do it all the time, and it's just. For years, Steve and, I, Steve and I have been doing this podcast now. Um, we started the podcast in 2014. I joined it in 2018. And we're in 2022 now, four years later. And it's 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 obvious. It's very obvious across the platforms how we don't get suggested. We don't get traction. We don't get that that social vi- viral burn that that uh, a lot of the newer uh, things are getting. And I think it's it's got a lot to do with what I said, in, in my opinion. So we need your help, guys. Tell everyone, tell everyone about the forums, evolutionary.org, elitefitness.com. Tell everyone about a podcast, drop a link to it, wherever you're listening. Tell everyone you can about my supplement line, please, needtobuildmuscle.com. You know, let, let, let the bros know they need their liver support. Let the bros know what they need if their nuts are shrinking. You know, please come through with the help, guys. Really, really appreciate it. All right, so let's go to the next topic. The next topic is going to be declining test levels in the in my 40s. This is a very good question. So blood work, very, very important, getting blood work done. If you are in the United States, when you get blood work done, you get tested for your total testosterone levels. The range of normal testosterone levels for a male is somewhere between 300 to 800 or 900 nanograms per deciliter. In other countries, you know, Europe, you guys have different units of measurements, so you can you can calculate that. But we're seeing a trend, obviously. Um, I talk to a lot of my clients about this, and I have to, you know, explain this over and over and over again. And when I do, people understand it. Listen, at the end of the day, our environment, the food we eat, the water we drink, 
all this distress on our body from all that stuff, but also the mental stress that we put ourselves through in modern society that our ancestors never had to worry about. Our ancestors were worried about shelter and food and finding and treating and getting clean water. Now we worry about shit like, oh, I had a bad day at work or money or you know, dumb shit. Oh, my neighbor just got a nicer car than me. So I got to get a nicer car and work another job or work more hours. You know, we, we worry about stupid shit like that. And what ends up happening is our bodies are under a lot of stress and our testosterone levels start dropping at a younger age than our ancestors than, than two, three generations ago. So it's just a combination of factors and has to do with the amount of food that we're eating and so many different factors. So we're seeing guys in their thirties who have low testosterone levels and we have low testosterone levels. It can affect your sex life. It can affect the amount of muscle you put on. It can affect your ability to burn excess fat. It can affect your mood. It can affect your performance your mental your mental performance your focus a lot of different things so what do you do in your 40s if you get tested and you got low testosterone levels well for a lot of you you may have to just elect to go ahead and go on testosterone replacement therapy which is going to mean you're going to be injecting testosterone into your body for the rest of your life and that usually means once a week, you inject somewhere around 100 to 125 milligrams a week of testosterone. So you can either go through an endocrinologist, you can go to an anti-aging clinic. Anti-aging clinic are, are grifters. A lot of them are grifters. They're, they're going to try to they're going to try to give you a lot more stuff than you need. They're going to try to make money off of you. They're not they're businessmen. They're not actual doctors that you're going to be dealing with. So they don't have your interest that hard. They have their own bank account interest that hard. But it is very easy to go to an anti-aging clinic and get a script. Or you can do self-TRT on your own, where you just order the steroids on your own and do it on your own. So at the end of the day, if you want my opinion, I think people should exhaust every ounce of ability to get your testosterone levels up by changing your lifestyle, eating better, and reducing stress and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, through no fault of your own, going through that, and then you can run Rick's product too, N2 Generate, which is a great product for boosting your testosterone levels naturally. But at the end of the day, it may not be enough. And you may elect to run TRT and take Rick's product, N2 Generate, on top of it and feel really, really good and be able to burn more fat, gain more muscle, gain more strength, have a better libido, have better erections and all that good stuff and feel younger again. So that's a decision that you're going to have to really, really think about because once you go TRT, you're likely never be going to be able to, to go back. So once you exhaust everything, you have my blessing to go on TRT, but please exhaust all remedies first. You know, if you eat pizza and drink soda and stress out every day about money and stress out every day about your job and, and just you're over leveraged, which a lot of people are, you have to have a huge ass house and 
two, three cars and a boat and three kids and a trophy wife who you give your credit card to and goes shopping. You know, it happens all the time across suburban America every freaking day. And then the guy gets depressed and stressed. And of course, your testosterone levels are going to drop. So, but like joking aside, look, and in most of these cases, Rick, it's of no fault of the person. It's not your fault that you grew up eating cereal and milk every day for breakfast. It's not your fault you grew up drinking shitty ass water and your parents gave you soda. It's not your fault you grew up next to a coal mine. It's not your fault you grew next to a mill, you know, that polluted the air and polluted the, the water and the stream next to your house and the soil. So a lot of times, look, it's not your fault. So you're not going to, you'll never find me blaming the victim. So at the end of the day, if it's going to make you feel better to go on TRT, you have my blessing. So that's something that's, that's, we're seeing a huge trend of that. Um, and full disclosure, guys, I am not on TRT. Uh, I am not on TRT yet, but I will go on TRT at some point. It may be when I'm 50, maybe when I'm 55, and maybe when I'm 60. I, I don't know yet because right now my testosterone levels naturally are in the 600s. So, but then again, not everybody's like Steve. Not everybody puts nothing but quality food in their body. Not everybody eats nothing but organic. Not everybody drinks mineral water. Not everybody knows how to manage their stress like Steve does. Not everybody lives independently like Steve does with no you know, no debt, no kids, no responsibilities, no fish aquariums that are a huge pain in the ass. I've had those before, by the way, huge pain in the ass, no pools. How about that one? No fucking pools, <laughs> you know, that cause headaches nonstop. I've had pools before. I know, I know about pools. Listen, at the end of the day, not everybody can be Steve. So not everybody can have 600 testosterone levels in their forties. So I get it. But at some point, I will go on TRT at some point. I don't know when. So if your testosterone levels are no, like I said, you have my blessing as long as you exhaust all your issues. Rick, we don't have much time. Do you want us to talk about this or should we move on to the next topic? Rick has left the building. I'm here. The, the mute button wasn't, wasn't working. Uh, uh, look. Test levels decline as we get older. I'll just take one little short uh, thing at it. There's definitely environmental things. There are lifestyle things. There's all of that. But look, at the end of the day, in our DNA, all animal cells of all different species in our DNA, we have telomeres, which we already know that's sort of, it's part of the timing mechanism. All life forms are on a timer. That is why, even though we share pretty identical animal cells with, you know, besides the DNA that's inside, right, with birds and horses and dogs and chickens and, and elephants, we all have different life expectancies. We all are supposed to live, reproduce, and then die. We're supposed to be born, reproduce, and die at a certain time. And the timing is always the same for the species because every species needs to have a consistency in mates, and, 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 you know, cycles of life, but it's different for every species at our core inside of our DNA. 
there's a fucking timer. There's a timer. That's why, you know, a 30-year-old man can, can look great still, but a 30-year-old dog doesn't exist. Okay? But if you took a, a slide of, of muscle tissue, I mean, you you need to be a very, very special uh, scientist to be able to tell the difference uh, under just a microscope. So those are, it's just how it is. And then and 40 is around that age where, you know, uh, nature maybe doesn't expect you to need to be reproducing and, and doing all of that. Uh, uh, you might need to start calming the fuck down because you're, your skeleton is is weaker. Um, your joints and your body is is becoming more frail, and so you ought to maybe not be thinking about about fighting. Or maybe look, uh, um, if us men, if men stayed strong in in vitality, you know, same strength and vitality we had in our twenties, if we kept that shit up into our forties and fifties until the day we died, these young men would never have a chance. You know, the, these these twenty, if 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 we could maintain, if, if we're genetically predisposed to keeping our testosterone levels and our performance in, let's say, 50, then the, the UFC champion right now might be 50 years old. And all the kids coming up in their 20s and 30s, we have no fucking chance because that guy will still be dominating the more years go by. But no, it's not the way it happens. We're supposed to move away to let the young blood come in, the new DNA, the new structures, the new thing. We have to move, get the fuck out of the way for it. That's just part of getting older, part of life. I just want to throw that in there. Just a different thought to what you were saying, Steve. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. So we have one minute left, buddy. Um, let's talk about best steroids for burning fat. So I'll give my view on this really quick. Um, look, steroids aren't, aren't fat burners. Uh, there's been some, I've seen a couple studies for Anavar that showed Anavar did some things in the body and structurally made where it can affect your metabolism and affect protein synthesis in a way to help with fat burning. And we did a podcast episode 48 and Anavar was the most popular oral steroid aside from Dianabol. And I, I believe it was number five, most popular overall steroid right now. And I think one of the reasons why is it does have some fat burning uh, properties. So aside from Anavar, um, you know, which isn't a magic fat burner, but it can help you fat uh, burn fat if you eat right, if you train, do fasted cardio and all that good stuff. It can definitely help you burn fat and help you maintain your, your mass. It's a, it's a great steroid for, for recomping, but there's nothing with steroids that would, that would indicate, like, if you're someone who's like 25% body fat and you're out of shape and you want to like take steroids because you see some dude on social media, you know, who looks really good and they're taking steroids and they're talking about steroids and they're bragging about how much steroids they use. And you think, yeah, I'm just going to take some steroids and look like them. Um, you know, there's some of you out there who, who are like that. What Rick said earlier about telling your friends to listen to the podcast. If you've got friends like that, tell them to listen to this podcast and they'll, we will teach you strategies to actually burning fat. Uh, but steroids, they're not fat burners. They're not designed for fat burners. If you look up what steroids were medically produced for, they were medically produced for things like anemia, boosting, you know, boosting red blood cell count. They were designed for preventing muscle wasting for those who have muscle wasting diseases like cancer, or HIV, AIDS. 
And, um, you know, these steroids are given for that. You have growth hormone also given. Um, historically, growth hormone was one of the top things given to those with muscle wasting disease. And now, um, you know, some doctors are giving certain uh, anabolic steroids, testosterone, anabar, different anabolic steroids are, are being given for that reason. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if you're 25% body fat, you just take steroids, you're not going to magically burn fat. You have to change your diet. You have to learn about fasting. We've done a lot of episodes about fasting. I've written a lot about fasting. I've gotten a lot of backlash about fasting from people, um, ignorant people who don't understand the way the body works. What I was talking about earlier, these are the people that have the most views on social media and, you know, and they, um, that gives them a sense of entitlement where they think they can just bully everyone else. Hey, I've got a million followers. I, I know more than you. You know, that's a perfect example. But, you know, these are the things we talk about on this podcast that are going to help you lose body fat. So definitely look up those episodes where we talk about fasting and we talked about some of the fat burning properties. But, yeah, um, it's just not going to work. And if you don't believe me, go ahead and uh, order some steroids for 25% body fat. Go ahead and order steroids and try it on your own. You'll, you'll notice that it's, you'll be disappointed with the results that you get on it. So I always tell people, lose the fat first, then use the steroids. This way you can take so much better advantage of the steroids you're using. So, Rick, we have a minute left. You want to do some final thoughts? Uh, steroids don't help lose body fat, man. They, they, the best they can help you maintain muscle mass while you're burning the fat. Uh, I, look, steroids can, I guess, make you, make you uh, uh, burn more calories. And the additional muscle mass makes you burn more calories. So indirectly they do help more caloric burning but directly they're not it's not something like gw that is there at the moment you know to, to, to get you to burn body fat no it's it's steroids mainly will make, help you maintain your muscle mass while you burn body fat and yes fasting 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 the number one way to keep lean keep tight it's just the fasting guys i mean you can you can do the cycle of, of overeating, undereating, but really at the end of the day, fasting is, is where it's really at. Great show. Um, hope you guys learned a lot from this one. Episode 489. We'll talk to you guys next week with a new Q&A. Keep the questions coming. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys.